Just had a great conversation with Aaron Nasse, who built a um, payment processing company, built it from nothing, started with $20,000 and exited for nine figure. It, it was, I'll put it this way, I, I can't disclose it because of my agreement, but it was enough where myself and at least a few generations passed me, they don't have to ever work again. He was not, he was not able to say it, but I, I believe it was a nine figure exit. So great conversation with him. We discuss about, you know, what it takes to um, build a nine-figure company. So amazing conversation. I enjoyed every minute of it. Hope you guys enjoy too. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. So um, yeah, please support us in that way. And I hope you all enjoyed the conversation I just had. Welcome to the Immigrant Entrepreneurs Show, where our mission is to inspire, influence, and impact other immigrant entrepreneurs to follow their dreams and create the future they want and desire. My guest today is Aaron Nasse, the founder and former CEO of Finical Holdings. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ali. Happy to be here. Excited to have you on, and um, you know, I I am <laughs> I am in a privileged position to be family with you and be relatives with you. So I know you have rejected so many interview requests that you have had in the past, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's really an honor to have you on. And thanks for taking the time and coming on the show. My pleasure. Likewise, I'm I'm happy to be here, and I hope that I can provide some uh, valuable information to your audience. Thank you. I'm really excited for this for this conversation. So Aaron, um, give us a, give us an idea or our audience, an idea of, you know, where, where were you born and when did you move to the U S and then we'll take it from there. Sure. I'll try to uh, keep it as short as I can, but I'm not sure how short I can make it because it's, it's been a long journey, <laughs> but, uh, I was born in, uh, born in Iran and, um, my parents at the time wanted, because it was the, the war with Iran and Iraq going on, they wanted to get us out of the country so that we're not caught up in the uh, in the conflict between those two countries and uh, to provide a better life for us, frankly. And I have an older brother who's five years older. He was reaching that age where if he did not leave the country, he would not be able to leave until such time that he served in the military. So we initially moved to, uh, to, to Belgium, and uh, we, uh, I think my third and fourth grade was in Belgium. Uh, here I was going to a new country, not speaking the language, uh, which was French, and I had to pick that up and get through uh, third and fourth grade. Then we went back to Iran for a couple of years and in preparation for moving to the to, to, to U.S., and in 1988, we made the move to U.S., initially moved to, uh, to Southern California, to L.A., where we had family. And within a few days of arriving, I was already in school, not speaking a single word of, uh, word of English. Wow. And in, uh, in middle school, that could be pretty challenging. <laughs> <laughs> Kids are pretty brutal at that age. That's right. So... Um, so I went through that, and uh, in my, by my sophomore year in high school, my brother had been accepted to school in uh, Chicago, Northwestern University, so the whole family relocated to, to Chicago. And I graduated uh, high school in Chicago, uh, made some very good friends in Chicago, 
And then uh, he got accepted for his uh, postdoctoral to, uh, to Harvard, so he moved to Boston. I did graduate high school early. I was just shy of uh, 16 years of age when I graduated. So I still had a little bit more time before I was of legal age and can do make my own decisions. Mm-hmm. So I started the uh, community college in, in, in Boston. And when I turned 18, I decided to venture out on my own and I relocated to, to back to Southern California, to LA. Went to, uh, went to school in LA towards the, my last year, of gra- last year of school when I was graduating. Uh, I'd gotten married and my wife uh, had become pregnant with a beautiful son and uh, kind of changed the course of my life a little bit because, you know, it, it, I knew at that point that my, my uh, priorities had changed and shifted. I had a family to take care of. It wasn't about what I wanted to do, you know, as much anymore, uh, or what passions I wanted to pursue. It was more, hey, I had to actually earn a living and take care of a family now. Uh, so I got into real estate sales. It wasn't something I was particularly crazy about, frankly, but but I was good at it. I was making, uh, you know, making a, a decent living and uh, enough to support the family. Some years uh, during that time, uh, it's worth mentioning that uh, uh, tragically, uh, we, we got divorced. My my uh, son's uh, uh, mother and I got divorced, and uh, tragically, we lost her. She passed away, so I became uh, a single dad all of a sudden with a four-year-old wow. to, to raise. Um, I was blessed and fortunate enough to have my mother who was there to take care of him. Otherwise, I, I could have never done it uh, without her help. Um, so a few years uh, well, after that, my, I had a friend of mine who was in the electronic payments business reach out to me, a good friend of mine reached out to me and said, listen, uh, we're looking to start this, this new channel, uh, for recruiting, uh, and, uh, bringing on, uh, building essentially a sales team for the company. And we think you'd be great at running it. Now, while he thought that, I'll never understand because I knew absolutely nothing <laughs> about, about the industry. I didn't even know if they issue credit cards or process credit cards. I didn't know anything about it. But, uh, but I trusted him, and he assured me that they would give me the adequate training and support to make sure that I'm successful in the role. So, you know, I, I, I kind of had reached a crossroad in my life where I had to make a decision, you know, either stick mm-hmm. to doing something that I wasn't really particularly thrilled about mm-hmm. or try a new venture. I took some time and thought about it, and I decided to take a pay cut and uh, jump into this new, uh, new industry. Within six months of being in the industry, I told them that I wish I had learned about this industry 10 years ago. Wow. Had I known about it 10 years ago, I would have retired by now. Mm. So I love the business. I love the whole recurring revenue aspect of it. And um, What year was that? Sorry to interrupt you. This what was year in 2007. Okay. 2007, yeah. So from that point on, my goal became to learn as much as I can from that company with the idea that I want to go start my own company someday. Mm. So the next four and a half years was spent literally interviewing everybody over there that I can get, I can talk to every manager kind of picking everybody's brain. Mm -hmm. I literally treat it as if I'm starting my own company. Mm. I wanted all the questions that I thought would come up answered. Mm -hmm. This is why I always tell everybody learn on someone else's dime. Mm -hmm. That's the best piece of advice I can give any young entrepreneur. I think oftentimes young entrepreneurs jump into things a little bit too quickly. Mm -hmm. 
before they really kind of, you know, learn what they're doing. And that was one of the benefits that I had. I literally learned on someone else's dime. I made all my mistakes on their dime. So that when I finally went, if left five, four and a half years later and started my own company in, in November of 2012, I um, already had a clear idea and vision of what I wanted to do. I knew what worked in the industry and what didn't work. And I also had my own ideas on how I can make things better. So that was, uh, well, you know, I started a company in November 2012 with uh, hardly any uh, capital. And, uh, you know, I, had, I think I had $20,000 that I had saved up myself to start a business, which, mm. which isn't much and it's not going to go far. But looking back, it really was a blessing in disguise because it really changed the direction of the company. You know, I had to really focus on growth and bottom line of the company more than anything else. Mm -hmm. There was no money to, you know, to reinvest in the company or throw around for unnecessary marketing efforts or anything like that. It was right. literally swirl up our sleeves and let's make this thing work. Mm -hmm. And having gained experience and knowledge that I had from the prior company, that's where it came in really, really handy. It's exact. I knew which channels to target, what was going to work, what's going to have the lowest overhead. You know, what, what, how can I make this 20 grand, you know, go to my goal of a nine figure of a, of a company. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and we did it, you know, started very slow, very, well, not very slow, but very lean, I should say. Literally, I was, it was just myself at the beginning, mm -hmm. myself in my, sitting in my family room and uh, being the, uh, the recruiter, the CEO, the president, the customer mm -hmm. service, the tech support. The the sales guy. I was doing it all. And then gradually brought people on and uh, got into some strategic relationships and uh, well leveraged the the, uh, the help that I could get from other uh, um, other uh, partners in in the uh, in, in the industry, uh, namely processors and so forth. Since we're in the payments credit card processing business, payments business, um, and uh, learned to to run a very lean business with an extremely low overhead mm -hmm. to the point where my account, uh, you know. For the past few years, he's been saying that he's like, you need to write a book because I've never seen anything like this. I don't know how you managed to to do this as lean as you did. But mm -hmm. my point is that that not having that money initially changed the entire model for the company, and and it's worked worked great. Which is why, you know, in August of twenty twenty three, this past August, I ended up selling the company, and there was so much, um, so much of. of um, so many people interested in the company because how it was built completely different than all the other uh, companies that are in our, in our space. Mm. So here we are today now trying to uh, figure out what's next and what to do and where to go from here. Mm. That's <laughs> awesome. Thank you for um, sharing yeah. all these. Okay. We can't end right here because you gave it all away. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I, I do have tons of questions for you. So, yeah. When you got started, you you know twenty thousand dollars is more than having nothing, obviously. But it's still you know even ten years ago, it would not get you that far. So what would you spend that money on? Is my first question, and then I have a couple of uh, follow up questions. Sure. So you know the the twenty thousand itself really, for, in my situation, like like you said, it wasn't much. The experience that I brought on with me was invaluable. Mm -hmm. You know, that that really was 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 the game changer, because there are plenty of people who started 
uh, a company similar to mine in our space with significantly more capital, mm-hmm. we never made it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it, the, the, that's why I always emphasize the, you know, the, the, the point of getting the experience somewhere else. You don't have to learn the hard way on your own dime is, is truly invaluable. Uh, but for, for us, really, it was just the daily day-to-day operations, the logistics of, you know, hey, we need to have to spend X amount on equipment so that if when we do make a sale, we're able to provide them, furnish them with the equipment, we have something to sell. It really was just the day-to-day stuff. It was nothing more to it. I mean, there was there was nobody on payroll. Mm-hmm. You know, it was literally just trying to build enough mm-hmm. so that I can hire somebody to come in and help, you know. And I was able to do that relatively quickly because, again, I had learned how to do it and which channels to tap into for, for quicker, quicker results and more, more better results. And the rest is history. I mean, we, we've, we've grown since the inception of the company. Obviously, the first few years, we're growing triple digits. But ever since then, we've been growing double digits every single year. Uh-huh. Even during COVID, we still grew double digits. So the model was, you know, I wanted to make sure that I'm building a proper foundation for the company. And the past 10 and a half years is proof that uh, that we have. So mm-hmm. I'm very proud of it, as you can tell. Mm-hmm. So when I listen to you, everything sounds like very linear and very straightforward and right. no challenges and no obstacles. <laughs> so for the people that can cannot see us just hearing, Aaron is laughing while I'm saying this. <laughs> so, but here's the question. I know it wasn't. But let's also for the audience, give us, you know, give us an insight of destroy whoever is believing now that it was a very straightforward path. Please tell us that it wasn't. (laughs) No, no, absolutely not. It never is. And I think I I think that's a great question and and, and a great point you're making, because I think most young entrepreneurs who uh, or people who aspire to be one, they only see the end results. You know, they see they see sort of the glitz and glamour. They see the nice cars and the nice homes, and they don't see what was really happening behind the scenes. They don't see the pain, the blood, the sweat, the tears. You know, the 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 well, sleepless nights, mm. the divorces, <laughs> <laughs> everything else that comes with the territory. Mm. Because it's it's really tough. It's it's it, being an entrepreneur, building a successful company. If you want to build a real legit you know, nine-figure company with generational wealth, mm-hmm. there is a lot more involved. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are a lot of sacrifices that have to be made. Okay? Uh, and, and, and you have to be prepared for that. And I think most people, everybody wants to be rich. Right. But not everyone's willing to make the commitments to get there. Mm-hmm. Not everyone's willing to make the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You know, they still want to have that sort of family and work balance. Good luck. What a joke that is. <laughs> Show me one who's really, you know, gone to that point where actually you can say, yeah, yeah I always maintain a great family of life balance. It just mm-hmm. doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So where you're fortunate enough is if you, you uh, are able to have a, a partner, which I learned the third time around. I was lucky the third time was a charm for me, mm-hmm. a partner who can, who can understand and support your vision you know, and, uh, and, 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 and be there for you. And, uh, that really was a big game changer for me. You know, when, when I met my, uh, my current wife back in, uh, was it 20, 2013, literally just months after I started a company. Mm-hmm. So I had nothing. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, well, she probably had more money than I did at the time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, since so she's been there all, uh, all along and mm-hmm. been a great support. So 
I think that's very important. But no, in terms of in terms of setbacks, uh, there is nothing easy about building a company. In fact, it will take you to a breaking point. And if your commitment is not strong enough, if you're not resilient enough, most normal human beings at some point will give up. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is why I've always said entrepreneurship is not for everybody. Mm -hmm. I don't mean that in a negative sense. I mean, what I mean by that is it requires a certain mindset. You have to be wired a certain way to be able to withstand all those punches all along because it's a brutal path. It really is a brutal path. It will, it will take a lot out of you. You know, when you go through that process, you come out a different person. <laughs> now, looking back in hindsight, sure, you can say it's all worth it. But when you're sort of climbing that mountain, it's, it's, uh, you're taking a lot of rocks in the face. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of, of uh, a lot of bruises as you, as, as you're climbing. And there is still no guarantee. That you win on the other side, you know, you will That's take correct. all the bruises and all the punches yeah. in your face, and there is still no guarantee that that you come out on the other side winning. No, yeah, absolutely right. Dedication and hard work doesn't guarantee you anything, but without it, you don't stand a chance. It's always right. been sort of my philosophy. Right. So, are you are you comfortable giving us some examples that you know took you to in your in your career? took you close to that breaking point and you're like because i know you're you have a steel of a of a mindset you know and you are like hey i just keep going i yeah, don't care absolutely i don't care because i remember we had a conversation many years ago in in a uh, you know you were in a tough situation and i literally remember man like it was yesterday you said i don't care i just keep going Right. That's the words you told me back then. So um, yeah, if you if you don't mind, tell us tell us what. Yeah, absolutely. the 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 example that comes to my mind, which I'm sure you're referencing the same one, is when I was involved in a lawsuit. After I started my company, the previous company wanted me to. First of all, they didn't want me to leave because I was doing so well for them. Mm -hmm. But when they kind of figured out that I'm leaving they wanted my new company to sign an exclusive deal with them, yeah? which I refused to do because I didn't feel that it was in the best interest of my company. Mm -hmm. So that didn't sit too well with them. I was dealing with some interesting egos uh, at that company and then you know, dealing with, uh, with a billion-dollar company. So uh, they decided to uh, sue me and throw everything in the kitchen sink at me, you know. Uh -huh. And you uh, know, in, in order to any any attorney who looked at my case said, "Listen, this is just essentially a big company trying to bankrupt your company and put you out of business." Mm -hmm. And having known the the executives at that other company, I know that their game plan was: "Listen, we're going to file this lawsuit. He's not going to be able to defend it. He's going to come back in a few days and say, okay, 'Okay, I'll sign an exclusive deal with you.'" Mm -hmm. Little did I know how stubborn I am. <laughs> so so uh, I fought him for a few years of money that, uh, that I didn't have. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was the toughest period of my life. In hindsight, it was the best time because I came out a completely different person. You know, I uh, fought him for a few years, then they were... Um, uh, approached me and we reached a, a, a mutual uh, settlement uh, so we can all move on. But 
the fact that I was able to fight a company at their scale, having hired uh, perhaps a top law firm in the country uh, to fight a little guy like me and to try to break me and they couldn't do it, made me feel unbreakable. Mm. You know, made, really took my mindset from as strong as I thought it was to another level. Wow. But to get there, I literally almost came to my knees. It was mm -hmm. tough. It was really, really tough to go through that. It was tough to have to borrow money from family to just pay for legal fees. Mm -hmm. It was tough to build a company every day knowing that these guys are trying to bankrupt it. So, you know, for those three years, it was, it was hell on mm -hmm. earth for me. It literally mentally broke me, but at the same time, it kind of broke me and built me up much stronger. So I'm forever grateful to them for, for doing that. It literally changed my entire mindset about how I approach things. Mm -hmm. And I approach everything with a different level of confidence these days because uh, I feel like I've been through the worst of it. Mm -hmm. Anything else would just be a piece of cake from this point on, mm -hmm. you know? And it's been true so far. Right, <laughs> right, right. But, but so, that's just one that, you know, to, to, to answer your question, that, mm -hmm. that, that was extremely mentally taxing mm -hmm. on me. Mm -hmm. What what was it that took you through this um, challenge that meant, you know kept you going? Because I believe we all have some sorts of an anchor that we have, like we you know we hold on into it, and we're like, hey, this is what keeps me going. I'm not doing it for myself. I'm not you know whatever that might be. This is the this is our why. Let's call it. Right. What was your why that kept you going? Well. Now, I've always been known as being a pretty resilient person because I've, I've had a lot of, of uh, setbacks in my life. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, my commitment was stronger than, than, than anything they could do, you know. Uh, you know, my friends always uh, ask me, said, hey, did you, did, you, uh, did you always know you were going to be rich? I said, I always knew I was going to be rich. I just didn't know when. <laughs> <laughs> because I knew I was committed enough to get there and I was right. willing to do whatever I had to do to get there. So, you know, having, having, a, having a family to have to take care of, having a son, uh, kept me going. And I just was not mm -hmm. going to give anybody else the benefit or the satisfaction of thinking that they were able to take me down. That's just, you know, everything they did just fueled me more. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I use, I typically use every setback as fuel to come back as stronger and better. You know, that's why if you ask me about the, uh, about the particular uh, setbacks or rejections, I can't even remember them. I've had so many on a daily basis that I'm kind of wired a little differently. I just tune them out. You know, right. I just tune them out and just move forward. Right. And right. I, I'm, you almost kind of have to do that because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we're all human. If we keep holding on to those things, it's going to bring us down. Mm-hmm. And I also, you know, think learning, having learned this myself in the past, I also believe that when you do this, then it becomes second nature to you. Correct. The moment something pops up, you're like, oh, been there, experienced that, move on, you know, just another Correct. day, just another challenge, just another obstacle. I don't have time for this. Let's, let's move on and focus on the things that I need to focus on. You're, you're 100% correct. You're absolutely right. And I think that's part of the problem. In this day and age, why some people are so easily offended is because they've never really faced any type of mm -hmm. adversity. So the first time they hear something they don't like, you know, they're easily offended, which is which is sad because I, mm -hmm. I think it's just overall sad. It doesn't it doesn't make their life any easier. 
right. because the reality of it is things happen in life. Right. So let's go back to when you got started. When you got started, was it like, how much was it with having the end goal in mind? Like, okay, how big is this industry? What is the potential exit that I'm going to get? Is it, is it an exit at all that I, that I pursue? And how much was it, hey, I like the industry. I like what I do. I'm good at it. I learned a lot about it. Now let me do my own thing. So initially, when, you, when, you, when, I, when I started out, certainly it was on my mind, you know, because I used it as fuel and motivation. Mm-hmm. But as I got more and more caught up in the, in the sort of the day-to-day operation of the business, I really didn't care about that as much because at some point my mentality sort of shifted to, hey, I'm only going to focus on today because that's all I can do. If I can just focus on today and get through today and give 110% today, the rest doesn't really matter. The rest will take care of itself. I don't have to worry about it. And that approach has really served me well. And it's the same advice I give my, my 22-year-old son, who's now a, a young entrepreneur and he started his own business. Give him, I give him the same thing. I just focus on today. It's, it's very tempting to want to look far ahead. Mm-hmm. you know. But it off, I found that that often becomes a distraction. And sometimes you want to get there faster than you're really supposed to. So at least a poor judgment. Mm-hmm. And those poor decisions and judgments can lead to self-inflicted wounds that are unnecessary. Mm-hmm. So I thought about it just enough to get me motivated, but I didn't dwell on it too much, no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. And when you say, you know, you, 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 you're very resilient, what was your relationship with stoicism? So Stoicism and, you know, Buddhism and whatever uh, philosophy somebody wants to subscribe to, religion, whatever, whatever they prefer, I think at some point it will play a role in every uh, entrepreneur's life because, again, things become so difficult. And what's funny is at the time when I was practicing Stoicism and Buddhism, I had no idea I was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually read about it much later. Um, but but I think it's necessary. I think as soon as someone can 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 incorporate the, those philosophies in, 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 their, in their entrepreneurial journey, the easier life will be for them. You know, I was just kind of taking all, all the shots and just kind of moving forward like a bull. But, uh, but you know, accepting things for what they are is, is important. I think a lot of times people confuse, uh, uh, make it, can't quite distinguish between optimism and, and being a, and a realist, you know. It's very important to be an optimist. But it's equally, if not more important, to be a realist. You cannot be out of touch with reality just in sheer optimism. Mm-hmm. Uh, that creates, that backfires. That mm-hmm. creates more issues and problems, especially when you're running a business, which mm-hmm. is based on purely reality, not optimism. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you were structuring your company in the early days, you know, I, I believe at some point you started cash flowing and then you're like, okay, we've got something here. Let's move on. How did you keep going with the structure without, you know, getting ahead of yourself in terms of building a lean company, which obviously was very beneficial to you down the road that led to the exit that you had? Um, yeah, tell us more about that. Sure. The, you know, the, the company is sort of having very good cash flow fairly quickly mm-hmm. um, because we focused on higher margin accounts. Uh, as opposed to most other companies that were really going after low margin accounts. So we kind of got ahead of the game a little bit. Uh, and we're one of the first players that started targeting that market. 
And initially, everybody laughed at me and said, that's just not going to work. And then three, four years later, everybody said, hey, you're a genius, because everybody, the whole industry was trying to do that. Can you tell so, us, sorry to interrupt you, but can you tell us exactly what the company did and does and, mm -hmm. you know, what what industry you were focused on? Because yeah. some 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 of the audience might not exactly know what sure. Finical Holdings does. Sure. Electronic payments, which mainly uh, focuses on credit card processing, uh, check services, ACA services, online payments, that type of stuff. So basically any business that you go to uh, that accepts credit cards, they need a company such as mine to be able to accept your payments. So it's a B2B service, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. And the most important piece of it is this, this recurring revenue. You know, you set up the accounts. Every month, there is income generating from that account for as long as that customer is with you, which is what made it very appealing to me. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so, so, yeah, so that's, that's kind of what, uh, what, uh, what we do. And did, you, did you have another question, follow-up on that one? Did I miss the question? So, no. What is, then what is the process like? You know, you send your you, – you have a sales team – they reach out to gotcha. potential businesses and then Got you it. put them on the contract. And is that how it works? So, right. The, great question. So we contract with uh, a lot of salespeople. We have over 2,500 salespeople throughout the country. Uh, these salespeople go to literally use different, they use different models, but for the most part, whether they're going door to door, whether they're doing phones, telesales, whatever they're doing or doing online marketing, they go to businesses and uh, in an effort to offer them better pricing, save them money. And uh, or or offer uh, one of our other programs, which essentially eliminates up to 100% of their processing fees. They're in an effort to bring their business over to us. And our job here, once that account is brought over, is to do everything else: from underwriting the accounts, to boarding the account, to servicing the accounts. Uh, you know, making sure the customer is happy, so that we can retain that business long term. And what was your, or is still your competitive, or the competitive edge of Finico Holdings? You know, comparing with all the other payment processing companies that are out there. A couple of things. Uh, you know, one of them is it's always been service, very service oriented. Mm -hmm. You know, we have we have our Asian base that we work with, and then we have the uh, customer base that we work with. Okay, and both of those are very, very we're, we're very very service oriented on both of those. You know, uh, our almost 100% of our business is derived from our outside sales agents, sales partners. Mm. So they require a lot of servicing, which unfortunately a lot of the other companies have sort of missed the boat and don't provide the level of service that they deserve. But having had that experience from the prior company, I knew that the number one complaint that most of the sales partners had was lack of servicing, lack mm. of response time. They're out on the field. It's already a hard enough job to be out there in front of a customer, not being able to get serviced is inexcusable. Mm -hmm. So we build out a team to make sure that they have a direct line to everybody that can get a response immediately. And we set up all kinds of, uh, well, you know, sort of servicing protocols. You know, if you send an email to us, you're going to have a response in less than 10 minutes guaranteed. Uh, things that help these sales partners feel more confident uh, about working with us and things that they can't get somewhere else, you know, and, Average in the industry, if you send an email, is at least 24 hours to get a response. Mm -hmm. Now, if they're able to get that with us, you know, in a matter of a few minutes, mm -hmm. then that makes their life easier and helps them be more efficient out on the field, mm -hmm. which is which is our objective and it helps both sides. The other piece is from the servicing. The other piece was we introduced a pricing program called dual pricing to to merchants, 
Um, we're one of the first ones who did it. We weren't the first company to offer it, to be clear, but we're one of the first ones that really started rolling it out uh, uh, back in, what was it, 2015? And that was a game changer because it enables businesses to eliminate literally up to 100% of their processing fees by offering two prices, similar to what the gas stations have done for a long time where they have a cash and a credit price, okay? which helps them keep their prices low as opposed to having to increase pricing and build the additional uh, processing fee uh, into the price. Uh, but that helps everybody around. It helps the customers uh, save money. They're happy. It helps the agents and the company make higher margins. So all around, uh, well, it, 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 it helped us get much higher margins than the industry average, more than two and a half times the industry average. Wow. Does it does it does it also have a low entry barrier? I don't think so. Or is it a higher entry barrier, which means there is less competition for you know people just to start it from from their living room? No, I mean anybody can you know it's it's from from a sales standpoint, anybody can do it. You know if if uh, if you can walk and chew gum, you're qualified to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to come out there as a salesperson, right. but what I mean by that is, is the opportunity is there. How far you take it is up to you. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's it's the, for the salespeople, most of those positions are ten ninety nine positions. Mm-hmm. So the agent, the, the sales agent, essentially operating as an entrepreneur. Mm. You know, and to the extent that they're willing to put in the time and effort and go out there and, and get the sales, they're going to do really really well. Because they get the lion's share of, of, of the income. If you know they're going to sit on the couch and waiting for a merchant to come knock on the door, which a lot of people make that mistake, that's that's just not going to happen, you know. But uh, but the opportunity is there for anybody. Now, if you want to build a company such as mine, where you have registration with different banks and so forth, that's more complicated. That you that that's a process. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's what we're, what we're called an ISO. Uh, so that requires sponsored banks, requires registration of Visa, Mastercard, and card brands, and uh, that's more involved. That that's not as simple as like, let's just walk into this business and do it. That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. But from a sales standpoint, which is typically where everybody starts, you know, it's it's relatively easy to just get in. Is that also where you get started? Well, in a way, yes. I mean, I've always been in sales. My entire background has been in sales, but mm-hmm. but um, I started. When I started with uh, with uh, the prior company, I started in, uh, in in a sales capacity, but sales and recruiting and so forth. But I was an actually employee of the company. Gotcha. So yeah, okay. But I did everything. I did. I, I've I've done all of the all different types of sales: phone sales, door to door. I've done them all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when I'm listening to you, another thing that is that is somehow standing out to me, which I believe was was also or is also a competitive edge is also how you find number one but also how you treat your sales agents you know um because they're your extended arm without them there is no revenue or there is no continuous revenue um do you agree with that yeah you're you're absolutely right i mean you know i've always told all the all of our employees here that without the sales agents we don't have any jobs Mm -hmm. you know they and I hate the fact that in most companies, sales agents are not valued the same way. You know, when when in reality, they're the ones that are really employing everybody in the company. You know, if there are no sales, it's typically not a business. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
So, uh, yeah, we do. We focus on that and they love that. This is why typically when a sales agent works with us, they don't really leave us. Mm. You know, unless they're retiring or they're selling their portfolio or something along those lines. But mm-hmm. it's been very, very focused on service. We've been very focused on service and it has really served us well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people talk about success habits, people talk about their morning routines and you 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 see all these gurus that come up. You and the funny thing is you don't know you don't know what really got them where they are you know so but in your case we have a legitimate case i know your background you know you exited your company for a great number i don't know if you can want disclose how much um how, how big the exit was or not so tell us about that it, it was i'll put it this way I, I can't disclose it because of my agreement but it was enough where Myself and at least a few generations past me don't have to ever work again unless okay. someone decides to be an idiot and 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 and, uh, and piss away the money for lack of a better term. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> so, but what I would like to know is, was there anything that looking back now through your entire career, I, I think it took it took about ten years, right, from the moment you started till right. the accident. Over 10, okay, yeah. so. Looking back at it, was there anything other than your mindset that you, you know, you, you, we both know what it takes in terms of mindset and the mindset you still have. What else, let's call it success habits. What success habits would you say got you to where you are today? Well, you know, obviously it all starts with commitment. You know, you have to have the commitment to see your goal through. That's just the bottom line. You have to have resilience to be able to bounce back from setbacks, which you're going to have time and time and time again. And another key thing is you have to be, you have to have adaptability. You have to be able to adapt to different situations, you know, whether it's economical uh, uh, curveballs that are thrown at you, whether it's your industry changes, regulations, whatever it is. As an entrepreneur, you have to always try to step, stay one step ahead of the rest and, you know, be able to adapt fairly quickly. Uh, I think that's that's a very important uh, important key. And as I said earlier, you have to be patient. Mm. You know, I see this happen all the time with young entrepreneurs where they're so eager to become rich today that it leads to making poor decisions, which ends up actually setting them back further. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to believe in 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 your vision of what you're doing and know that you have to stay the course. Mm. You know, that's really all it is. Otherwise, I don't have any crazy habits. You know, I don't wake up at four o'clock to go to the gym. I didn't have time for any of that. I love it. Wish I could, but I don't. <laughs> uh, you know, I get up, I have my you know, uh, uh, coffee and breakfast, and I went to work and to work until the job was done. And uh, you know, came back and uh, uh, worked on my phone for the rest of for the rest of the evening. Mm-hmm. And went to bed, got up the next day, and did it all over again. Mm-hmm. And enjoyed every minute of it. And and I always look forward to Mondays. It really pissed me off to have a weekend because it was two days and we weren't getting any sales. Right. <laughs> right. And you know, another um, great thing that I see in your life is you're not the guy on social media. You're not the guru on social media telling all the people what they need to do. You re- you rarely post something. When you post something, it's more kind of a joke that you post, right? So, um, yeah. Go ahead. No, you're right. I'm, I'm a pretty, pretty private person. You know I me, mean? everybody, anybody who knows me see, knows that I'm a pretty private person. And, uh, you know, kind of like it like that. My wife's the same way. So to the extent that I post something, like you said, it's either something funny or maybe share a family picture with, with you know, family members. But it's really about it. 
Mm-hmm. Which also leads me to my next question. How important was it for you to network, you know, let's say within the industry, but also outside of the industry in terms of general business relationships, maybe mentors and coaches? Um, what was that like for you? Great question. Uh, I have some strong feelings about this networking thing. So <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you what, what I mean by that. I think networking for most of the young entrepreneurs that I see today is not really at least my definition of networking. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is, you know, people attend, I see a lot of young people attend these networking events where you're paying to go to a networking event. And there is nobody in that damn event that knows any more than you do. Okay. Nobody can help. They're all in the same boat as you. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So you're surrounded by people who can do you absolutely no good. Right. <laughs> now, nothing wrong with that. Right. If you're looking to go meet friends and make friends, by all means, do it. Mm-hmm. Okay? But none of these folks are in a position to help you. Mm-hmm. To me, a real networking is defining, aligning yourself with people who are either where you want to be or who have at least gone that, down that road and have some, something that you can actually benefit from, some experience that they can share with you, feedback they can give you that's going to help you. Okay? That's networking. You know, someone at least within your field that, that again, has more experience. You, you have to be able to get something out of a networking event. Otherwise, it's not networking. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a little party. And there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. Go have just a cocktail and go yourself, you know, meet some friends. <laughs> But don't call it networking. It really irritates me when I see people paying to go to these events when most of them are not networking. Are there some good ones? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Are most of them good? Likely not. Mm-hmm. So did you did you have some mentors and coaches along the way? Not really. Um, I, you know, I, um, he was, he was the, the, I did have the benefit of having my good friend who was in the industry. Mm-hmm. So during those, those, uh, those initial five years with the previous company, he definitely was a tremendous amount of help, and I would definitely consider him a mentor in that sense. But for the most part, thereafter, it was really just self-educating. You know, I've always anybody I pretty much, especially when I started, anybody I met knew more than I did about that industry. So to me, every everyone I talked to was a little networking event because I picked everybody's brain. You know, I would ask sometimes I'd ask the same people, you know, different people, the same question. You know, multiple times to see. To try to figure out who's really telling the truth, you know, what, what, what the consensus is and so forth. And, uh, you know, so even to this day, every, I'm, le- I'm learning things. There are people that I can learn things from on a, every single day on a daily basis. And I try to do that, you know, whether it's in person, I meet somebody, whether it's something I'm learning on, 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 uh, on, on a YouTube interview or something I watch. I'm, I'm very much committed to self-educating every single day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, when you have a you have a life, or let's say you are in your life where most people would like to be, you have a good life. Okay, you create the generational wealth for yourself and your family, as you just said. But when you look back, let's take these ten years that you built your company and exited your company. What would you tell your younger self that was going through all these challenges and all these highs and lows and emotions? To worry less. Mm. You know, 
Um, this is why I adapted that whole mentality of just focusing on today. Because I can handle whatever's happening today. Okay? But when I think about everything else that has to happen between now and that end goal, it seems overwhelming to mm -hmm. most people. You know? Uh, and that leads to bad decisions. So to focus on, on just doing the task at hand eliminates most of the worry. You know, and not dwelling so much on the past, letting the past go, moving on, that's the key. You know, if, if, you're, if you're constantly holding on to something, whether it's the past or whether it's about the concerns about what might happen in the future or what if it doesn't happen and so forth, all you're doing is creating distractions for yourself, which mm -hmm. interferes with what you're doing today. And obviously, all you can control is what's happening right in this moment. That's it. So uh, I would definitely tell myself to worry less. I still have to remind myself of that, by the way, <laughs> because it's part of my nature. You know, right. I think I think it's part of the nature of every entrepreneur mm -hmm. to constantly worry because you're always thinking ahead. You know, mm -hmm. you're looking forward to things. So, but I always try to keep myself very grounded and just focused on on on, on the now, mm -hmm. and it, it's helped tremendously. Don't you think if you have worried less? then it would not be as helpful as it, is, as it was to take you where you are? Not necessarily, because there is, there is, there, there is a, um, productive uh, worrying, which is realistic, mm -hmm. and then there is worrying about things you can't control. To the extent that, you know, I worried about things I couldn't control, that sure as heck didn't change the outcome, you know? I'll give you an example that always stay with me. When I was going through uh, my uh, divorce and we had, uh, I had uh, custody of, of my son and we were at one point, uh, we were having a, well, a custody battle. I was very concerned because um, I was young. I didn't have any money. I was paying a, 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 a divorce attorney a lot of money mm -hmm. to, to keep my son with me. And uh, my ex had uh, started dating a rich guy who had money and he had hired her uh, a top dog attorney to, to, to come after me. So I was sitting in my uh, attorney's office, and I think I was at, probably was 25, 26 maybe at the time. And we were going to court the following week. So after he told me the whole, give me the whole rundown, I said, so should I worry about this? He said, you could, but it's not going to do you any good. <laughs> so, so that advice always stay with me because it's so true mm -hmm. it's so simple it's so matter of fact yet so true mm -hmm. so to the extent that i worried about things that i could control yes that's helpful because it helps me not make mistakes but things that are beyond my control it's it just it just deprived me of positive energy mm -hmm. that's what it did you know mm -hmm. so now i make sure i not entirely eliminated because I can't, but minimize it as much as I can. Right, right. Let's let's talk just a little bit about your son. You know, you he has a great role model that he can look up to. Now, with what you have experienced yourself, what you just told us about, you know, having not endless access to endless amount of money, which was which was good good thing for you and kept you going and kept you also doing the lean um building a lean company how much do you believe or what what do you actually do 
Do you let your son have access to how much capital he needs in order to build whatever he's building? Or do you limit him and tell him, hey, that's the way to go. That's the way I did it. And that's the way you have to do it. Right. So great question. No. Um, I'm I asking think, for I think selfish I... reasons, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I would be doing him a disservice if by, by giving him any, ca- any type of capital. Uh, but to his credit, he graduated high school when he was 15. Wow. He actually took the, uh, the, the uh, we were in California back then. He took a California proficiency exam and he graduated early because he was ambitious. He just wanted to get out there and make money. Mm-hmm. And he started working at my company since he was uh, 15. Oh, yeah, 15, 16, whatever he was. And uh, he built a portfolio for himself of, 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 of accounts. He sold his portfolio last year, so he uh, cashed out, wow. and he took that money, and he's now started his own uh, uh, ISO, and uh, he's growing at a much faster rate than I did when I started. So I'm extremely proud of him, extremely happy, wow. but I'm happy. I'm happier to see that he's also the same way I, you know, I picked up uh, from working from the prior company and rolled it into to my new company, it seems like he's done the same thing. He's, he's taken what he's learned here. He's added his own twist to it, his own energy, his own drive, and he's super motivated, and uh, and, and he's doing great. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but no, he's not. Uh, he hasn't asked me for money, and uh, he knows he's not going to get any, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great place to be in. So um, who do you look up to, man? Um. I've always looked up to my dad, you know, mm-hmm. because he really, he really instilled the hard work, discipline, and commitment to family in us from an early age. You know, I, uh, I, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't really, really, if it wasn't for him. Obviously, for him and my mother. But the he, you know, he stayed back in Iran to work six days a week to support us and to give us a better life. Yeah. It wasn't easy going through years and years, you know, of uh, knowing my dad's thousands of miles away and not able to see him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, in hindsight, it was all worth it. So but it was his commitment, his 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 uh, dedication to his family uh, that that I've always admired the most and still do to this day. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So. As we said. You're in a place that you don't have to worry about money ever again. Your family doesn't have to worry about money ever again. But are you just going to sit back, retire, and um, relax? Or what's next for you? So uh, good question. It's something that I've actually thought about quite a bit. And it's funny because it's, it's only when you sell your company for this kind of money that you realize it really was never about the money, mm. you know. It was about the hunt. It was about the chase. It was about the goal. It was about the challenge, you know, because while I never have to work again, you know, I've thought about this. My wife would obviously love for me to just retire and not do anything. But how many vacations can you go on before it gets tired? You know, how many trips can you do? You know, it's, it's, at some point, I think as, as, as human beings and certainly as entrepreneurs, we need to be stimulated. We need to be challenged. We need to have something to look forward to, something to get us out of bed every morning and want to get out there and do it. So 
Uh, I don't know quite yet what I want to do yet. I have a couple of things in mind. Um, I don't know if I'm going to stay in the same industry or if I want to do something else. But uh, but I'm going to take this time for now to think about it and see what's going to get me excited enough to, to jump in and do something. Mm-hmm. For the time being, money is all invested. So I'm just kind of sitting back and trying to figure out what to do. So... Don't reach out to Aaron. Money is all invested. There is no money to spend on any business. <laughs> money is all with Goldman Sachs. I don't even have access to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So what is your advice for someone that is listening to this conversation and is like, oh man, I got so much value of it. And I'm, I don't want to start something small. I want to go and build like Aaron did a nine-figure uh, company or nine-figure business. What is your advice for someone who wants to do that? First of all, I hope that, that uh, people were able to get some value out of this. Um, but advice is, 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 is pretty simple. You know, you kind of have to have that conversation with yourself. And there, there, there are different levels of this game. You know, if somebody wants the mentality it takes to build a uh, a not eight nine figure um, company versus a company that's generating a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. It's completely different. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with either of them. There's nothing wrong with getting if, if a couple hundred thousand dollars provides you with the lifestyle that you want for your family. And you're happy, then that's all that matters because ultimately it's all about being happy, right? But my point is, you have to make sure you have that commitment, you know, because. It doesn't do anybody good if you're going to if you if you if you kind of half-assing it, you know, start and then as soon as you hit a couple of obstacles, you pack it up. That's just mm-hmm. a waste of time and money. You have to make sure you have that commitment where you're willing to overcome anything. If you're willing to be married to your to your company, your business, you're willing to put your company and business first before anybody else mm-hmm. or anything else. Then, and you can honestly answer that question with a yes. Then, then go for it. You know. But make sure you educate yourself. I still recommend that everybody goes and gets a job within the industry they want to work at. Uh, gain that valuable expense. Learn on someone else's dime so you don't have to make those mistakes with your own money. And then go ahead and do it. Do it. Be patient. You know, uh, Be resilient. Uh, be committed. And uh, educate yourself as much as you possibly can on a daily basis. So learn from everybody around you. And then... Go at it 100%, but you got to go in there and take it. It's not going to be handed to you. You half-ass it, you're going to be going against guys like me, and you're not going to have a chance. Mm. <laughs> right. that's, that's the reality of it. Mm. Mm. Thanks, man. Thanks for sharing that. And um, I believe that's a good time to wrap up. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really, really enjoyed that conversation. And um, yeah, I look forward to maybe having you on back sometime in the future, maybe um, talking about your next venture that you're working on and whatever comes up for you next. Wish you all the best and uh, much success. I'm sure you will be successful in whatever you do. And thank you so much for taking the time and coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me and look forward to seeing you soon in person. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you.